All right, well, good evening, everybody. Um, I think pretty much all of y'all know who I am, but if you don't, my name is Dylan. Um, if you don't know me, please come up and introduce yourself afterwards. I would love to get to know you, um, but I think almost everybody knows who I am. Um, thank y'all for coming out tonight. Um, I, uh, I hope tonight what I'm going to be talking about is going to be good. I've had a little unrest in preparing this. Some of y'all know that and have been praying for me, and I'm appreciative of it. Um, but tonight we're going to talk about something that y'all are all familiar with, something that um, you see in books and in movies and stories, etc., something that you're, uh, you're real familiar with. <clears throat> um, as an introduction, I thought I would go this route. If you've been around me longer than five minutes, then you know I'm a diehard Carolina football fan. I, uh, I love my Gamecocks. Now, unfortunately, we have fallen upon some hard times here as of late, uh, especially a couple weeks ago at our season finale uh, in the bowl game against Virginia. It did not go that well. Although, Buster, I was not present for the game, so I have been praying for you ever since I found that out. That was kind of rough. Um, but as I was watching that game, I found myself saying something over and over. I found myself saying, man, we, we really just don't look like we want it. We're not, we're not playing very hard. The desire isn't there. We're not playing with heart. We look like we don't have heart in what we're doing. I, uh, I have the privilege of coaching the North Central Middle School football team, and um, one uh, fun tradition we have, we have a little motto that we've been going with all year long, and when, when it gets quiet at some point, one of the coaches will scream out, what do we play with? And all of the players are expected at one time to yell back, heart in unison. Um, you may hear it said when someone quits something that, well, their heart really wasn't in it. Or when someone wrongs another person, you may hear them say their heart wasn't in the right place. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. If you have your Bibles, just open it to the book of Psalms, and we're going to be in Psalm chapter 51. Um, this is no doubt a, uh, a psalm that you've probably heard before. This is a psalm written by David. Um, this is a psalm that he wrote after his sin with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah. This was him lamenting and, um, and what he did. And we're going to be in verses 14 through 17. Psalm 51, verses 14 through 17. I hope you found it by now. I'm going to take the time to read this to us real quick. David says, save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice, or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, O oh God. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this passage of Scripture that has been a challenge in my own life. I just pray that you would um, use your Holy Spirit to speak to those that are here tonight, help our hearts to be attentive. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Um, last weekend, I had the opportunity to do something really fun. I got to go on the ski trip with our youth, and I, and I had an absolute blast while I was there. It was probably one of the better times skiing that I've had. I don't know if that was because most of the snow was melted and it was kind of slushy or if I've just gotten better and more comfortable at it over the years, but I had an absolute blast with y'all's teenagers and with our adult leaders. We have a great 
group of adult leaders at this church, by the way, if you don't know that. I, I got to know them even better, and I'm very thankful for each one of them. But I enjoyed what we did um, as a devotion throughout the week. Ashley Dowie and Adam um, led us in a devotion. We took a uh, packet of paper, and we went through the Sermon on the Mount. We went through, which is Matthew's, uh, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And on the front of the packet, there were these four symbols. There was a dollar sign, which was for money. There was an M, which stood for mind. There was a clock, which stood for time. And then there was a heart, which, of course, was for the heart. And Adam said, as we go through this, as we go through these four devotions, and we read these verses, I want you to write which one of these applies to what verse. And, you know, as we went through that, I couldn't help but write the heart beside everything. Right? When I was going through the Beatitudes, how we should act and how we should treat people, that's about the heart. When I was going through love your enemies, even though they are your enemies, that's about the heart. When I read Jesus saying, if you've, uh, you've heard it, not murder, but I'm telling you, if you even hate someone in your heart, you have already committed murder. That is about the heart. Everything goes back to the heart. Um, this passage of Scripture has been a, a, um, a great encouragement in my own life. Many, many times, let, let me stand before you and tell you, many, many times have I gone to this passage thankful to see what David had gone through because many times I have had to cling to this passage because of my own habitual sin that I have fallen into and I had to fall on my face before God and be thankful that even though when I go and do stuff I know I shouldn't do, he is loving, he is grace, and he is full of mercy and he lets us come crawling back to him even though we don't deserve it. And I am very thankful for it. Um, but I want to point... Um, I want to point something out to you. First of all, be thankful for conviction of sin. Let me just say that. Don't ever let that bother you. When we sin and we sin in our life and we feel bad about it, that's a good thing. I heard a wise man say one time, he said, son, if you ever get to the point where you can sin and it don't bother you, you need to check yourself because you're in trouble. So just keep that in mind. Um, But David, I want you to notice what he did. When he went through this, he understood the importance of having his heart made right with God not just some ceremonial thing. He didn't say, okay, let me go and offer a sacrifice. Let me go and do this. Let me go and just participate in a festival, and that's going to kind of even it out. No, 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 no. David understood that the heart had to be cleansed first. He understood that the heart had to be cleansed first. When we sin against God and when when we sin against our brothers or sisters, we can't just come back to church, guys, and think that that just is going to somehow make things okay. Hey, I know I messed up over here, but you know what? I'm going to church tomorrow, and I've been at church one other time this week, so that kind of balances it out. That's, that's not the way it works. There's nothing we do. There's no ceremony. There's no, there's no work I can do to put away my sin. The only thing that's going to cleanse me of that is Jesus and asking to be forgiven for it. And David understood that. He did that first. He said, you are not pleased with a sacrifice, God, or I would offer it. What you want is a broken and humbled spirit. Um, It does me no good to try to worship God or just show up at church if I have still harbored sin in my heart. Psalm 66, verses 17 through 19 says this, I cried out to him with my mouth and praise was on my tongue. If I had been aware of malice in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I'm going to read that verse again. If I had been aware of malice in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But thank God for verse 19. However, God has listened. He has paid attention to the sound of my prayer. If we want God to honor our worship, we must ask God to cleanse us and make us right. The same thing applies when we have malice in our heart against a a brother or sister. As we were going through the Sermon on the Mount, I was reminded of the passage of Scripture. 
in Matthew 5 where Jesus says, so if you are offering your gift on the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Um, it's hard not to hold malice against people sometimes in our heart. It just is. We're humans and we're messed up and we do messed up stuff to each other. And it's easy to hold grudges and stuff in our heart, but it does not honor God. Um, Romans twelve eighteen says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Um, we're not somehow, I'm thankful <laughs> for my wife who is reminded to be, to be encouraging tonight. So I'm gonna say this as encouraging and not mean as possible. Um, but something, something that does bother me, especially among uh, Christians nowadays is sometimes, I don't know, it, it's, been, it's been seen as the cool or mature thing to do. I hear stuff says like this, well, I've cut that negativity out of my life. I cut so-and-so out of my life. They ain't part of me no more. That's not biblical. It is not biblical for you to say, I don't like that person, and so I don't deal with them no more. That's sinful is what that is. Romans twelve eighteen says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That means if you and so-and-so don't have a speaking relationship, it better be because so-and-so won't speak to you. It better not be because you are the one who has cut that off. Um, I, it bothers me, and it, and it really discourages me when I see we call ourselves Christians, but we, we want to brag about how we've, we've cut somebody out of our life. Now, we can talk about certain situations and excommunications and stuff. I get that. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is just straight-up attitude problems with other people, and we don't want to get along because our heart is in the wrong place. They have done something to us that we don't like, and we have probably done something to them that they didn't like, and that has caused a rift between us. That needs to be reconciled. Live at peace with everyone. That's what he said. Um, because of uh, this, this passage where um, Jesus talks about being reconciled to your brother and also um, about the passage where it talks about loving your enemies, I have to confess to you that this past weekend at the ski trip, I was convicted of something in my own life, so I'm going to share it with you. I shared it with the group there. Um, something that I, <laughs> I have a struggle with, um, and, uh, me and me and Brian talk about this sometimes. We, we both fall prey to it. I, have to, I seem to have the most patience in the world with any lost person. Um, I don't know what it is. It can be the most uh, just uh, blatant atheist or somebody that w would be totally against Christianity um, or even, even another religion, whatever it is. I, if they are lost, I seem to have patience and want to work through the conversation and deal with them. But when it comes to someone who was raised in the faith, uh, someone who knows better, someone who's been taught better, and they have chosen to walk away, they have chosen to stiff-arm the faith, or worse, they have taken the Bible and twisted it and turned it into a lie and are leading others astray, I tend to not have as much patience. And that is something that I have to work on. Because I just told all of you, <laughs> don't have any hatred in your heart among your brother. And that goes for me too when it comes to these people that I have in my life. I have a, I have a friend who uh, we almost became non-friends after a while because he is hold. He holds very tightly to something that is biblical heresy. He has twisted the word of God. And every time we got together to talk, that's all he wanted to talk about. And it all but ruined our friendship. Um, we came to the agreement that, hey, you're making that decision. I'm making this decision. And we stand before God one day. One of us is going to be right. One of us is going to be wrong. But that, those things I have a hard time dealing with and I have a hard time being patient with. And so that's something that I 
have to, um, I have to work on. I, I, it, even, it even got so bad at one point, um, I could find myself praying to God for that person, but it, I wasn't really praying for, the, praying for the person. I was actually praying, God, why don't you just give that person over to what they deserve? They're trying to turn their back on you. They're trying to do this. Why don't you just let them do it? As if I'm any better, right? As if I deserve better, because I don't. The ground's level at the foot of the cross, man. There is none of us who is better than the other person, and I better remember that, and we all better remember that. None of us is better than the other person. Um, but maybe the toughest thing to do with our heart, so that was kind of the first part was kind of about our heart and worship. I think the toughest thing to do with our heart, though, is everyday life. Um, in the everyday life, when we're, when, we're away from the house, uh, when we're away from the house of God and we're away from worship, worship um, God asks us to give all of our heart to him. Boy, I'm going to tell you, I struggle with that. Um, I especially struggled with that as a teenager, the idea of giving every bit of me to God. I was a, uh, I was a professional fence rider, if you will. Boy, I was going to straddle that fence right there between doing right and doing wrong. I wanted to get right on the middle. As a matter of fact, I was the kid. I wanted to get as close to sin as I could, and I wanted to straddle right up against it. But I'm like, hey, if we're we doing this thing in black and white, Jesus, I'm, I'm still on the right side of this thing, all right? I'm getting as close to sin as I can, but I'm still on the right side of it. And if I'm not careful, I'll still do that to this day. Because, see, that's not, that's not having the right heart toward God. That's being a legalist. Um, last week, Mr. Ricky came to us, and he preached out of Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Those verses say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding in all your ways. Know him, and he will make your path straight. A good example of this is um, uh, in, in my own life, something that it took me forever to give up was music that had profanity in it, okay? Some of you senior adults are about to flip out for what I'm about to say, but here it goes. I love rap music. Could not love it anymore. I have an absolute love for it. I know I sound like a backwoods country hick when I talk, and it sounds like I ought to be listening to Alan Jackson and George Strait, but that is not the case. I love rap music, okay? It took me a long time to get to the point where I could give up rap music that was profane, that had profanity in it, all right? Because when I work out at the gym and I do things, and when I'm riding down the road, I like something that has a good beat to it. And if it sounds good, my mind wants to listen to it. But I had to get away from that and replace it with other music. It's still rap, but it's music that is that glorifies God, but is also clean and does not contain that type of profanity. And it is out there, by the way. Right, there are people who are going to tell you, teenagers, listen up. There are people who are going to tell you, well, you're never going to find good music. Mm -mm. No, listen to Lecrae, listen to Andy Minio, listen to Trip Lee, listen to NF. Right, Billy? Listen to NF. You'll be fine. All right? But now, the struggle that I deal with is books. So let me give you another recent example of how I did not so good. I'm just full of examples of what not to do, so try not to live Dylan's life. Um, now it's with books. I spend a lot of time driving up and down the road. And so I, I like to listen to Audible. I go on and I get books and I listen as I go down the road. And I like to listen to novels. I like thrillers and suspense novels because they make the time pass. They're interesting. They keep your, uh, they keep your mind engaged and they turn those three and a half hour drives um, into much shorter drives, it would seem. But even in those, the more popular ones, the more popular stories, they're littered with junk. They're littered with profanity. And it became a conviction on my life where God said, you need to put that down. But you know what? I did put it down, but I sinned when I put it down. Because you know what I did? When it, when it kind of got, got so bad that it bothered me to the point where I wanted to do something about it, I finished the book first. I said, I'll put it down, God, 
but I'm going to put it down when I'm done. That ain't right. That ain't the way it's supposed to work. And that was sinful. And I had to go back to God and say that I was sorry and ask him to forgive me. God is asking us to do it. (laughs) I'm thankful for what Luke and Patty taught me and the way they raised their kids before they left. God asks us to obey all the way, right away, and with a happy heart. Well, that last part really stings, don't it? God, I got to give it up. I got to give it up now. I got to give up all of it. And you want me to be happy about it. Yeah, right. That happy part's going to take a minute, God. All right, if I'm going to give this up, it's going to be a minute before I'm happy about it. But that's why sanctification is a process that takes time. Sanctification is a big word. It just means growing to look like Jesus. That's why it takes time. Because it's going to take time before I can give up something that I want and that I like. And it's going to make me, um, I'm going to be happy about it. You know what else is tough about being a Christian? Sometimes we think our heart is right because we're doing the thing we should be doing, but something else is wrong. So let's just say we're technically doing the thing we're supposed to. We're living and doing the thing that God would ask of us, put it on paper, black and white. We did the thing, but our heart still wasn't in the right place. Sometimes we serve God with a begrudging attitude or a sour attitude or a poor attitude. I'll give you another example (laughs) from my life of what not to do. Um, When we first started the the ministry love serve give uh several it's been years ago i guess now um we were brian and and those asked me to come and i knew that it would be a good idea because uh those that are less fortunate than us we need to help and we always need to be sharing the gospel i I decided i would go but here's what here's what happened i would go like once and then i wouldn't go for like four four times and then i'd go once and i'd skip a couple and the reason i didn't go consistently at all is because i didn't want to go you see i wasn't worried about the lost people there I wasn't worried about the people who needed to be fed. I was worried about me. I wanted to spend my Sunday afternoon doing what I wanted to do, taking my naps because I was tired from all the stuff I did all week. I said me four times if you were counting in those sentences because it was all about me. That's not a Christian heart, man. A Christian heart puts others before ourselves. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so I had to come and make some reconciliation with that. Now, and you know what's funny? Is if you really let God take over and you really let God have your heart and have those things, he'll change the way you look at it. I don't even look, I love, serve, give. I look at it totally different now. I had a blast up there just now. We were were just there. And it's it's a great ministry. I'm very thankful to be part of it. Okay, let me see where I'm at. And then sometimes there's the flip side. Sometimes there's a flip side. We are, we're serving God, and maybe it's not with a poor attitude or a sour attitude, but maybe it's a prideful attitude because of what we're doing or an arrogant attitude that comes. Isaiah 29, 13 says this. The Lord said, these people approach me with their speeches to honor me with lip service, yet their hearts are far from me, and human rules direct their worship of me. A prideful heart is dangerous. To be honest, that was the original sin, thinking we know better than God thinking we know better than God. That's where the original heart condition came from. That's when the original heart condition was diagnosed of sin. And I still do, and I still do that to this day, right? When something bad happens in my life, well, something bad happens, more like something inconvenient happens, like my truck breaks down or we get a roof leak or something like that, I find myself looking at God and I go, God, what are you doing? Didn't you see what I did earlier this week? I shared the gospel with two people, God. I went to love, serve, give, God. Why are you letting this thing happen to me? Like God's capital one and we get rewards points for doing stuff. That's not how it works, right? 
If we worked on a rewards-based system, I would be burning in hell right now because that's what I deserve. The wages of sin is death and eternal separation from God. That's what the Bible teaches. And so when we look at God and we say, God, I didn't deserve this. That should not have happened to me. Did you not see what I did? That is a prideful heart. That is a heart that is coming at arrogance with God, and we need to be very careful. The question, when that happens to me, I have to ask this question. Am I serving God because he's God, or am I serving God for what I think he can do for me? Am I serving God because I think he can make my life better and he can heal my sicknesses and he can keep me safe at night? Or am I serving him because he's worthy of praise and he's the creator of the universe? That's the question. What does our heart say about it? So some of you are probably sitting out there right now and you're going, so let me get this straight, Dylan. What you're saying is I got to love God with all my heart, not just a little bit. I got to give him everything, all of it. And when I do love God with my heart, if I do it with a sour attitude or I do it pridefully or arrogantly, it doesn't count. Yep, that's what I'm saying. Hey, I know it's hard, but you know what? Jesus didn't say this Christian thing was going to be easy. He said it was going to be worth it. That's what Jesus promised. He didn't say it would be easy. As a matter of fact, he promised the opposite. He said there's going to be trials and there's going to be tribulations, but he said it will be worth it when we hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. But you know what? Everything I've talked about so far is absolutely meaningless if you have not done the most important thing you can do with your heart. And that is let God change it from the inside out. Being a Christian, being saved, obtaining salvation, all those terms mean one thing, letting God change your heart, saving you from your sins, saving you from hell. You see, a person only really seeks salvation once they realize the depth of the sin in their heart and their need for a Savior. If you scroll back up just a few verses in Psalm 51, and you go to Psalm 51.10, you will see this verse here. You'll see David still lamenting. He says, God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit from within me. Create a clean heart. Renew my spirit. I'm going to read you something. The heart is the spiritual nature of a person, the center of the will, the capacity for making choices. This prayer, God, create in me a new heart, renew a steadfast steadfast spirit, is for God to recreate that spiritual side lest he continues to make wrong choices. Forgiveness may not be enough to solve the problem. There must be a complete spiritual renewal. The forgiven worshiper is not the old person cleaned up. He is a new person. I would love to tell you I wrote that. I did not. That came straight out of my CSB apologetic study Bible. So just citing my sources there. Um, But salvation has always been about the heart. It's never been about works. Salvation has always been about the heart. We cannot earn God's favor. I'll never forget, I heard a false teacher say one time, He came forward and he said, well, what you got to understand is that for the Jews, their salvation was a mixture of works and faith. No, that is not true. That is heresy. We cannot earn our salvation. It is all God. It is 100% him. None of us. It is all based on him. If it was dependent on us at all, we in trouble, like big, bad, horrible trouble. 
It is all God. I wanted to say, have you not read? You're talking about the Old Testament. Have you not read Isaiah chapter 64 where he addresses that very thing? He says our good deeds, our best deeds, the best we have to offer is like filthy, unclean rags. That's the best we have to give. We don't stand a chance if we fight for our own, y'all. Hosea chapter 6 says this, What am I going to do with you, Ephraim? This is after they have fallen into sin. What am I going to do with you, Ephraim? What am I going to do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist and like the early dew that vanishes. This is why I have used the prophets to cut them down. I have killed them with words from my mouth. My judgment strikes like lightning, for I desire faithful love, not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. He was telling them then that these other things, these other things, these sacrifices and stuff, they're necessary because the wages of sin is death, but they're insufficient. They're insufficient. Micah chapter 6, he says this, What should I bring before the Lord when I come to bow before God on high? Should I come before him with burnt offerings, with your old calves? Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or 10,000 streams of oil? Should I give my firstborn for my transgression, the offspring of my own body for my own sin? Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what the Lord requires of you. To act justly, to love faithfulness, and walk humbly with your God. It is about the heart. It is a heart change that has to take place. I've been reading through Jeremiah in my daily Bible study, uh, and I want to read something to you. Listen to the warning that God gives Judah in Jeremiah 9. He says, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will punish all the circumcised yet uncircumcised. All right, so quick history lesson. The Israelites were circumcised. They had a sign of the flesh to make them look different, okay? When you, when you had this happen to you and this physical sign came upon you, you were supposed to be different now. This was their outward sign that there has been an inward change. Hey, I'm one of God's people now, okay? So in Jeremiah... The Lord says, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when I will punish all the circumcised yet uncircumcised. And then he lists all the nations, Egypt, Judah, Edom, the Ammonites, Moab, the inhabitants of the desert who clip the hair on their temples. All these nations are uncircumcised and the whole house of Israel is uncircumcised in heart. Over and over and over and over again. God makes it clear that he cares nothing about your appearance. He don't care about how it looks on the outside. He doesn't care about how you may appear. You see, just like the circumcised of Israel, we may look the part. We may carry the Bible. We may wear the nice clothes, and we may come to church on Sunday. But the question is, has there been a change? The question is, have you experienced change where it cannot be seen with human eyes? Just like with circumcision, the dead flesh had to be cut away. Some of the Israelites had that physical thing done, but there was still dead flesh clinging to their heart because they had not let God have their heart. And that's what God asks of us. I'm almost done. I... Uh, I'm going to close it up with this. I fear for the heart of some Christians sometimes. I guess these are just a few pet peeves of mine. 
I fear for the heart of the Christian that would say they do not, they do not see a need for fellowship with others. Now, all of you are here <laughs> and at church, okay? So now I'm preaching to the choir a little bit. But it bothers me when I hear a Christian say, well, I can do church over here all by myself. I don't need nobody but me and God. That's not biblical. There is no idea of a Christian that's, I was about to be a real smart aleck and say, there's no idea of a Christian that sat at home and watched, just watched it on their TV. There's no idea of a Christian that is isolated from the rest of the Christian body. We need each other. We need each other. There's a reason they take a horrible prisoner and put him in solitary confinement. It is to drive him out of his mind. And rest assured, the same thing will happen to your spiritual health if you choose to isolate yourself. Guaranteed, 100% of the time. Anytime you talk to any international missionary, they will tell you how much they value this kind of worship over here because it's so easy to take it for granted while we're over here because they feel so alone over there. If you don't believe me, ask Luke and Patty. They'll tell you that. We need each other, guys. And look, I get it. I know you're going to get your feelings hurt at church. I know people are nasty. I got bad news. You hurt people's feelings and you're nasty too, okay? We nasty people. We hurt each other's feelings. We do it. But you need each other. We build each other up and we make each other stronger. We hold each other accountable. As iron sharpens iron, it is a both ways thing and we need each other. We will die all by ourselves over there in a corner. I fear for the heart of the Christian who sees no need to read the Bible and pray regularly. Sometimes someone comes to me and they say, well, I don't really enjoy reading the Bible. Hey, look, join the club, okay? I hated reading, okay, until, and I, I still don't always love it, but it's, it, it's a discipline that you're just gonna have to develop. But it bothers me when I hear a Christian say, I don't really see a need to read the Bible and pray regularly. I know God, I know God because of how he makes me feel. That is a dangerous statement, right? I, I've actually heard it said before, well, I can tell God gives me the, almost like God gives me the, the wonderful bubblies inside and he can, I, I know what he wants because I can tell how he makes me feel. Listen, I got bad news. If you're worshiping the God that makes you feel good, I don't know what God you're worshiping, but it ain't the God of this book. Because let me tell you something. The God of my feelings ain't the same as this. The God of this book goes against Dylan's feelings a lot of the time. And that's why I need this to correct me when I go off the path, okay? You've heard it said the only way to really get to know a person is to develop a relationship with them. If you aren't spending time in developing a relationship with Jesus, you may know a lot about God, but you don't really know God. And I was reminded as we went through that study on the Sermon on the Mount, the horrible words that come at the end where Jesus said, there are going to be to those, I say, depart from me. I never knew you. That should make us all work out our salvation in fear and trembling. I fear for the Christian, for the heart of the Christian that would say they don't think the Bible is 100% true. Now, let me clarify what I mean by that. I have no problem studying the Bible and studying the history of it and studying apologetics. I love doing that stuff, okay? That's not what I mean. 
When someone comes to me and says, well, listen, I like the Bible and all, but I don't really agree with this part. As soon as you've cut part of it out, you might as well just cut the whole thing out because now you can't trust any of it. You can trust all of it or you can trust none of it, but there is no in-between. That would be like standing in a building and saying, I don't really like that stilt and I don't really like this supporting board. We're just going to take these two out. I got bad news. You might want to run because it's fixing to fall. You need all of it together to intertwine and make the story whole. You cannot cut part of it out because once you cut part of it out, what God are you worshiping? How do you know what's true and what's not? You don't because you've messed with the integrity of it. I know there are some hard truths in the Bible that are hard to swallow, so I would just encourage you to keep studying and keep looking forward through that. And I promise you there are answers. I will never look you in the eye and say you just need to take it on faith. That's a horrible answer, okay? There's a horrible answer to that question. I'm telling you to keep studying and keep searching because God is faithful and he will show you those answers. Last but not least, I fear for the heart of Christians who don't think they should have to share the gospel with other people. If you are a Christian, you do not have an option on this. Part of getting the seal of Christ stamped on your heart is you get to go tell other people. Notice I said you get to go tell other people, not have to. It is a privilege to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and share it with others. It bothers me the number of Christians that I'll run into, <laughs> I'll have, you know, especially in Scotland, people that would claim to be Christians, but then they look me in the eye and they go, do you really think a loving God would send someone to hell? First of all, anytime anybody asks me a question like that, this is my answer. What I think don't matter. What Dylan Young thinks about it is irrelevant. What God's word says is what matters. And let me tell you what God's word says about it. At the end of Isaiah, when he's giving them a sort of picture of the reign to come of Christ, the Lord says, all mankind will come to worship me from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, says the Lord. As they leave, they will see the dead bodies of those who have rebelled against me. For their worm will never die, their fire will never go out, and they will be a horror to all mankind. Yes, God will send someone to hell. Because ultimately that's what we deserve. And those who do not call upon in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that he was raised from the dead will unfortunately suffer that punishment. And so I have to use that information as my driving force to make me share the gospel with others. When I had the privilege to talk with our youth at the ski trip this last weekend, Adam asked me to share sort of what's the driving force? Why do you share the gospel? I don't want people to go to hell. That's the short answer. Now that sounds kind of blunt. Well, like, well, duh, Dylan. But let me put it to you like this. I had a guy, I had someone ask me one time, and this hurt, but it's a tough question, but it needs to be asked. He said, does it bother you that people die and go to hell? He said, does it bother you? Do you really care? You know what my answer was? No. I would have said yeah. I did say yeah. Yeah, I care. But I didn't really care. Your actions will show what you believe 100% of the time. And so I have to pray for God to break me over lost souls. I have to pray that God will let it bother me when I miss an opportunity to share the gospel. Now, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told those youth. That's a hard prayer to pray. I still struggle to pray that prayer because it's easy to be selfish and spend time doing what we want to do. 
But the, at the end of the day, when I stand before God, I don't want to have to look past any other person on this planet and think they might be going to hell because I wasn't courageous enough to open my mouth. I cannot tell you how much it grew my relationship with God when I started consistently sharing the gospel with other people. Now, let me clarify that. I don't share the gospel nearly as much as I should. I don't share the gospel half as much as I should, okay? I am by no means the standard to be looking at when it comes to that. But when you are willing to open your mouth and you're willing to start seeing how it will impact other people, it will change your life. It will change your relationship with Jesus. It makes it so much sweeter and it makes it taste even better than it already does. So that's all I got. Thank you all very much for coming out and hearing, um, hearing what I had to say. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and uh, then, then you'll be dismissed. Father God, I just pray tonight that you were able to use um, these uh, feeble words to uh, just encourage and, um, and bless other folks. Uh, Lord, I pray that our, our heart would be in the right place when we serve you, when we worship you, when we're out in our everyday life. God, I pray that our heart would be in the right place 100% of the time. We thank you for your sovereignty. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Most of all, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you all. Have a good night.